You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Before we bring in Eric Davis, John, the, the Bengals are own one. The Niners did beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers thirty-one to seventeen, so they have a um, they have they're coming off a nice win um, from there. And uh, you know we'll we'll see how they respond this week. Um, John, do you how do you feel about this one going into it? I don't know because I think right now the odds or the the line is plus two for the Bengals because you know the 49ers are one and zero and the Bengals are zero and one. But I, there was just a lot of talk about how Garoppolo just didn't very didn't play very well against the Buccaneers, but it was a two touchdown game because the Buccaneers were just that worse. So maybe we don't we, we have engaged a good understanding of how good this 49ers team is, but there's a lot of potential for them to be dangerous, and I think that starts with Kyle Shanahan. Um, just, uh, he's one of the very few offensive geniuses that I think, you know, deserve that, that acclaim. And there's just not a lot of big names on that offense. You know, you have Marquise Goodwin, Dante Pettis. Um, they have another, they have another rookie receiver whose name I'm forgetting. Oh, D- Debo Samuel, um, and Jimmy Garoppolo, who again, has, hasn't played well of late and he's just coming off a torn ACL, but they still put up 31 points, you know, on, on the road against the Buccaneers uh, against a defense that should have improved this offseason. So there's just a lot of potential for them to be a lot more dangerous. And I think a lot of us are leading on because this was a team that won like two or three games last year, but Shanahan did manage to get pretty equal production from Nick Mullins that he did from G- Jimmy Garoppolo before Garoppolo got hurt. So maybe it'll take time for Garoppolo to get really acclimated into, you know, the Shanahan system, but uh, they have da- they have the potential to be very dangerous, and primarily because a great offensive line led by an offensive tackle that I wanted the Bengals to draft, and Mike McGlinchey at right tackle, Joe Staley, who might be a borderline Hall of Famer left tackle, he's still kicking it, he's still really good, and that defensive line is dangerous. And when you invest so many first round picks, like it's got to be good at some point, and like one of their high picks isn't even playing in Solomon Thomas, so it's just the addition of being boasted to that defensive line, they can give them similar, if not more, troubles than the Seahawks did. So. I think there's potential for this game to be just as close as it was last week, even though the 49ers on paper may not be as dangerous as we might think. Yeah. And the Bengals, uh, as they returned home in the preseason, they played some of their better football there um, really the last, last couple of games. So maybe a return home will, will also equate to a win here. Um, You know, some of the, some of the things that, um, I find interesting, you know, you, you talked about Garoppolo and I'm, I'm waiting to hear, uh, you know, I'm, I, once 
Eric Davis comes on, I'm, I'm hoping we can, uh, you know, ask him about that. But, uh, you know, one of the, one of the aspects is Garoppolo was, I mean, it was well known. He struggled throughout the preseason and then really didn't play that great against a not so great Tampa Bay team this first week. One, you know, one touchdown, one interception. So I don't know how big of a threat he truly is. You, you mentioned that he may still be acclimating to things and obviously coming off a pretty bad injury. So um, I don't know. What, do you, what are your overall kind of thoughts or inklings uh, of the Bengals chances as they as they head into this week? Well, again, I, I think if they play like last week, you know, the mistakes will kind of even out. I think the run blocking is probably going to even out to be better. I think they're going to get some more communication on some of those combo blocks that were unfortunately the stroke. The, the reason why the running game was not re- really working against Seattle because overall the offensive line, I think, played well for three quarters and in pass protection. It held it held up about as well as it could against an absolute bowling ball in Jadavion Clowney. And in the run game, I thought they got a decent push on the first level, but unfortunately, just got to got to clean up on some of that second level blocking. So it'll be interesting to see how different or the or similar the game plans are from an offensive standpoint. But just like the Seahawks, I think that secondary for the 49ers is extremely volatile and extremely exploitable. I know they still have Richard Sherman, but he just got his first interception last week for the first time since like 2017. And I'm not sure if I can name one of their safeties as well. So there's a lot of potential for Dalton to keep up his hot streak without AJ Green. And, you know, I think only like what four or five running backs in total are going to be active for this game. So there's going to be a lot of passing as well. And Shanahan likes to pass out of that 21 personnel where he has two running backs on the field. One of them is primarily a fullback in Kyle Ushek. So a lot of passing this game. There's going to be a lot of continued rotation for both defensive lines. It might just come down to who really gets tired first because this game could honestly go into the high 20s for, for how exploitable both defenses are and how much an unknown both offenses are in terms of scheme and personnel and guys coming back from injury and all that stuff. So I, I don't have a I don't have too big of an issue with with them being two point underdogs because, again, it's a it's a losing team facing off against a winning team. But at the same time, like, you know, for as much unknown that the Bengals have for the 49ers, I think it's equal amounts of unknown that the Bengals don't know about the 49ers. So. Again, like I like what I saw last week, and I think there's similar parts of the 49ers that they can, you know, kind of capitalize on. But at the same time, it's still Kyle Shanahan, and he's still an offensive genius, and they still have playmakers that can really rip the secondary apart. Yeah, one of the things I thought the um, the Bengals did well last week that really, I mean, we saw throughout the preseason, even under Zach Taylor, but definitely under the preceding regime and even before that is the tight end uh tight ends killing them that didn't really take take shape uh this this week this last week with will disley who uh, seahawks fans really liked him brandon schultz last week who joined Mm -hmm. us talked about will disley as a guy they really liked i think he only had like one catch um so i thought that was a a very interesting and, and great job by the you know by the interesting facet and great job by the Bengals defense to um, corral him obviously George Kittle is a very good player um, you know any any uh, are, you, are you scared of that matchup absolutely he, Kittle might be the best tight end in the league and that's that's coming from UC fan who loves Travis Kelsey like <laughs> the, the fact that he can is is as good of a receiver as he is a blocker and the like he's essentially a younger Rob Gronkowski at this point because he's so nasty in the run game. And he can get to linebackers very quickly, and he can just bulldoze any edge defender that he comes up against. But 
yards after catch, man. Like Shanahan loves those play action rollouts where he just dumps off to Kittle either in the flat or running like a little medium crosser and just get Kittle moving with the ball, get some momentum with him. Like it's it's hard enough to cover him. It's even harder to tackle him in the open field. And I think almost 60 or 70% of his yards last year came after the catch and he got well over a thousand yards. And now again, that was with Nick Mullins as his quarterback. So now he has Garoppolo who should be better from a talent perspective, even though he might not be all the way there yet, but they're going to have to get creative with how they can, can kind of minimize the impact that Kittle, that Kittle has like last week, it was keeping Russell Wilson in the pocket and, and make him try to work things from a limited space. Now it's got to be basically bracketing a tight end who's primarily lines up from an inline position. So a lot of stress on you know Nick Vigil, Sean Williams, Clayton Fedulum, whoever lines up from a strong side perspective over the line of scrimmage, and kind of just press him at the line, bracket him, make sure he doesn't get comfortable releasing off of the line of scrimmage. And they're gonna and Shanahan is is gonna find a way to pr- probably adjust for that you know later on in the game and, and maybe split him out wide a little bit more. But l- l- like I said, they might not run the ball as much as you know as much as the Seahawks did last week because they're only going to have two running backs active. So they're going to try to, you know, utilize, you know, Matt Breida and George Kittle as extensions of the running game with, with some short, quick passes just kind of to try to get the ball out of Garoppolo's hands a little bit quicker. And that's definitely going to be something that they need to capitalize on. Make sure that if Kittle destroys them, it's in the underneath game and wrap him up quickly and get to him quickly because he's a big man to bring down. Yeah. Um, you know, I, like I said, obviously last week they, they did a good job corralling Disley, but uh, Kittle's a different animal altogether. And, uh, you know, who knows if now the Bengals have a, um, you know, if they now that they've put stuff on tape, if teams are going to play, you know, if they're going to be able to catch up on stuff, uh, maybe that, you know, the Bengals did not put out on tape during the preseason, or if it's... Uh, you know, if if the team kind of is still able to do what they want to do, even though now, you know, they've tipped their hand a little bit in terms of uh, potential predict predictable play calling, that sort of thing. So um, we'll see what happens there. I have a pretty good feeling about this week, John. Um, personally speaking, I, I think that the, the Bengals, this is a game that they, they can handle. Uh, at least based on some things we saw last week. Obviously got to clean some stuff up, but um, I think they probably could come out victorious. Maybe a 23-17 score for me. I don't know about you. Here's my thing. The 0-2 curse is extremely real. Like from 1995 to 2013, 12% of the teams who finished 0-2 made the playoffs. So 88% of teams who start the season 0-2 missed the playoffs. So obviously that pressure is extremely high. It's going to be maybe the hottest game in the history of Paul Brown Stadium, approaching I think ninety-five degrees, mm. and you're going to wear all black. Like that—that's the plan. They're going to—they're going to bring out the black pants for this one. They're going to be sweating their butts off, but right after kickoff. Yeah, I don't know about that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, fashion statement, but I don't know about that one. Yeah. Um... I didn't know that. I, I didn't know it was going to be that warm. Uh, how's how's the humidity? What's the humidity like? Oh, we're right next be- to the river, man. Like it 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 just rained a little bit this week. It, it might rain at the end of this week. Oh my god, this could be a nightmare. I definitely would not want to go to this game. Yeah, well, I'm sure it still probably will be packed. A lot of people are starting to to buy back in. It seems into the Bengals and what Zach Taylor is is selling them, and obviously based on what they did last week. 
Um, I do feel good about this game, but I, I do think this team needs to potentially get to uh, at least two and two uh, through these first four weeks. If they can get two two games out of these first four, um, preferably with one of them being against Pittsburgh, you know, I think I think that uh, you know that will go a long way for the rest of the season. I you know even though that the opponents aren't overly tough. Um, you know, the bills I think are beatable. 49ers are beatable. Um, Pittsburgh at least looks beatable. The Bengals almost had one first week. I I just think that those three road games to start the season is really tough on a team. So if they're able to get to 500, at least, I think that'll go a long way and, and maybe, um, you know, having to be competitive down the stretch. I'm just glad that we're not facing Pittsburgh this week because it would be a complete, we're on to Cincinnati. Yeah, that's probably a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably a good thing. And and maybe uh, maybe hopefully they get a win or two in, before facing Cincinnati, so they're not uh, you know they're not all over us. Well, we have a very special guest as we have teased throughout the week, Mr. Eric Davis, Super Bowl champion with the San Francisco 49ers and now part of the Believe in the 49ers podcast, uh, part of the Believe Podcast Network. How are you, sir? I am well. Holding on for an old man. <laughs> well, I, I don't believe that. I think I, you look you look great still, and I'm sure you're in great shape. But uh, we're pleased to have you with us, and uh, we you know we're we're looking forward to this week two matchup between the Bengals and the 49ers. Uh, let's let's kind of jump right into it. The the Niners won last week. They they beat a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that many folks kind of are getting a tough read on at this moment in time. But how are how are feelings around the 49ers right now? Two touchdown win, um, you know, created three-plus turnovers and, uh, you know, really came out victorious. Well, you always feel good about a win. It doesn't matter who you are. There's no such thing as an easy win in the NFL. Uh, everyone involved knows that. I've been involved with it long enough to know that you you know that ball is not round the football's not round and it can bounce in strange ways so going on the road especially first game of the season when everyone has definitely has time to prepare for their opponent you don't know what's going to get uh they you know and look at the 49ers who haven't had success on the road uh, recently you know they, they have not been road warriors so for them to get a win get the turnover something they didn't do last season uh, they are feeling good about that right now, but uh, they know there's a lot of work to do. There are a lot of mistakes, you know, penalties, things that they uh, could do much better. So uh, they are happy with the win, but they know that there's a lot of work ahead. Eric, this is John Sheeran, Anthony's co-host. Um, as a Bengals fan, a lot of us are used to um, pulling out a win, even though the quarterback doesn't exactly perform very well. This was Jimmy Garoppolo's first game coming off of that torn ACL. And honestly, he looked he looked pretty sluggish out, out of the game. What is the overall concern level with Garoppolo and just getting reacclimated into this offense? Are you are you confident in a bounce back performance, or do you think that this is going to be a process that is just going to take time as he as he's still recovering and coming back? Uh, oh, uh, Jimmy just has to play. Uh, this is the thing about Garoppolo and, and where he is right now. This uh, that was his eleventh start, I believe. Uh, so, so I mean, you know, he's going to come in Cincinnati with 11 games under his belt as a starting quarterback. Uh, so, as far as his health, it's, you know, a lot of guys are concerned about his health. I've been asked about his knee, like, uh, you know, what's 
what's your take on him working through the knee injury and getting better? I don't care about his knee. I, I really don't care about his knee. He's, he's on the field, so he's not injured. So now that he's not injured, now I want to see him develop as a quarterback. I want to see him understand uh, how to run Kyle Shanahan's offense, uh, get more precise uh, with his reads and his timing and the windows and understanding uh, what he can and cannot do, his protection set, all of those things. Uh, he was, you know, you can't throw that pick six that he threw. I mean, he, he has to take that out of his game. That's just something that just simply can't happen. He's got to get rid of that. But I understand he needs time to get better. Um, I My take on Jimmy is just watching him personally on the field when I went to training camp this year and I, and I saw I physically saw him play for the first time. I saw him throw some balls and I was like, oh my goodness, that's delicious. <laughs> I was just saying, like, I would love to play against that. His, his arm is not the strongest. That's how it looked to me. Now, a lot of that comes, now, the, the, you know, the strength and the timing and all of those things come from you playing more and knowing where to put the ball. You don't have to have the strongest arm to to, to be a successful quarterback. So that's what I want to see him. I want, I want to see him just continue to progress, continue to get better. I... I'm not one of those, and a lot of people like the franchise quarterback this year. I'm like, let me just see if he can be a solid starter. That's why I am, you know, because I, I know it takes time to get going, but I'm not giving him the knee excuse. You're on the field, you're healthy, and no other position gets to use the knee excuse. So I'm not letting Jimmy use it either. Eric, both of these teams come in a little bit bruised up uh, so early in the season. The Bengals... Yeah. Uh, you know, Joe Mixon's uh, rolled his ankle last week. They're obviously going to be set to be without A.J. Green. Cordy Glenn, the Bengals' left tackle, is in concussion protocol still. And then on the other side of the ball, the, the Niners' running back seem a bit battered. Nick Bosa, uh, you know, has that ankle injury that he's still kind of nursing, even though he had a great first game as a pro. Um, what's the concern level going into this week against the Bengals as, you know, both teams are kind of battered, and uh, especially at the running back position for San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, you know, Raheem, he has come in, and he has run the ball. He, he ran the ball well for them, and he's a, type, he's a young player that they really feel good about. Uh, they understand, I mean, he, he's taking advantage of his opportunities. He, he plays tough. Kyle Shanahan likes him a lot, and he believes that he can still do the things he wants to do uh, at the running back position with him. Of course, you always want your other guys to be healthy. Uh, you, you know, it's just the same on the Bengals side of the ball. You have, you, you want Mixon out there. Yeah, you know, the coach is going to say, we have other guys that can do the job, but there's a reason why Mixon is your guy. Uh, because he can do those things a little bit better. So both teams are battered there. I, and it's it's more interesting on on the Bengals side to me because I don't think you can go in. If Nick is not hurt, I want to see where those touches are going to be at the running back position because I don't think you really want to go against the 49ers uh, defense and throw the ball 51 times like Andy did last week. I, I just think that just kind of plays into the hands and the strength of their defense doing that. Um, and, and with the Niners, the, the flip side of that is that I think they actually want to utilize Jimmy Garoppolo more. I think they want to, you know, to get the ball out of his hand and into the receiver's hand. Uh, so I, I don't think they're they're going to try to pound it quite as much. So uh, 
you know, that that's the way I see that that running back injury situation playing out. Yeah, speaking of that 49ers defense, that's really the most intriguing aspect of this game to me is how there's two very deep and very talented defensive lines going up against each other. But for that 49ers defensive line, you have Nick Bosa, you have the addition of D Ford, you have monsters in Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner. Really, the, the, the guy on the outside looking in now is Solomon Thomas, a guy that I really loved coming out of that 2017 draft class. What is really going on with him? Is, is it just not him really developing like the, like the staff has wanted to, or is he just not really a scheme fit for what they've been trying to do? Because it's year three, and honestly, and he played this, the second least amount of snaps for, for the game last week. So what, what is really uh, going on with Solomon Thomas? Uh, that's a hard one, man. I, you know, I don't know. The, the thing that happened with that defensive line is that they – the way they like to play it, uh, Solomon wants big guys, um, active guys, and he's going to rotate them a lot. Now, uh, so he's going to get, you know, he'll finally get his opportunities. You're gonna, that's going to happen, but it's about production. And and you know, when you are you come in as a high draft pick, you're a lot is expected of you. And when other guys come in and they perform, then you're, you're, you can be viewed differently. But I, I, it's not that they are unhappy with what's going on. There are some guys that I believe they think that can produce just as much. So they're all they're all going to be a part of that rotation. They're all going to get their get their chances. And sometimes this is the thing about it. Sometimes you can make plays. You can be a, a big time force, and it doesn't necessarily show up in the stat book. You know what I mean, guys? Yeah. You, can, you can come in and be disruptive. You can come in and and be someone that's holding the point, that's allowing guys around you to be clean and make plays. And he's a big body, and he has done that. That's one thing that, that if you really watch the tape and you watch what's going on, he does do more uh, than what just shows up in, in the uh, stat book. And, and that is something that they rely on him to be able to do. You can coach around that as well. Yeah, sounds sounds a lot like Carl Lawson for the Cincinnati Bengals in a way. Uh, yes, exactly. Th- this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We are joined by Super Bowl champion and former All Pro cornerback Eric Davis. Super stoked to have him on the program. We'll be chatting with him for just a couple more minutes here. We appreciate his time, uh, Eric. I'm a, I'm a West Coast guy. I, I grew up in Southern California. I currently live there, and obviously with the Bengals grabbing John Ross. Uh, I know of the UW kids and uh, the Pettis kid uh, that that the 49ers have. I know he's kind of under a little bit of a scru- a little bit of scrutiny. He was challenged by the coaches this offseason to kind of up his game. Uh, I know it's only been one game of the season, but what are expectations here for him going forward? Because he was an absolute stud with the Huskies. Well, and you know what? He's, and you know all about him. He's a tremendous athlete. Uh, he's just not healthy right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I believe he actually aggravated that groin once again in his last game versus Tampa. And they really want him, and more so of a challenge. I think it was just that they want him to just step up and be the guy. Uh, the 49ers need someone. I mean, they haven't really developed. That's the one thing you can look at this, at this team. And in the last decade, I mean, you go back and, and every position, defensive lineman, running backs, wide, you know, I'm sorry, a tight end, and everywhere. They always seem to develop someone, uh, but they've had a hard time finding, you know, that wide receiver that can just stick and be the guy. That's probably T.O. And, you know, Crabtree came in and did some things for him, but, I mean, that's really been the last one that they've developed into a stud. And that's what they're waiting for. They're, they're actually, and, and that's why I think they're, they're hoping that he can get healthy and that he can decide 
decide that he wants to be the guy. Because at some point, man, someone at the, in that room has to just say, it's me. Yeah. I'm getting the ball. It's me. I'm going to be the star. I'm going to I'm going to make you design plays so that I can get the touches. And no one is, that that hasn't happened yet. And that it's a good looking room. There's some talented guys there. Um, but but I, I told somebody yesterday, there's no AJ Green in that room. And that's what they're that's what you that's what you look for. That's what you hope for. When you draft a guy, guy, you hope that he can turn into one of those players where you where you go into it knowing that you have to get touches and the defense knows that you have to defend that guy. Uh, so that's what they're hoping, and that's that's what Kyle Shanahan is hoping that uh, Pettis actually tells himself and decides that I want that talent that we've all seen. I want it to show up consistently because that's the thing about it, the, the league, guys. It's not about being good. <laughs> and, and and that's what young players and Pettis, is, I think he's in that right now, where he has to get beyond trying to be good and understand that it's not about being good. Everybody's good in the NFL. You don't make it. You have to be consistent, and that's what pro sports are about. They're about being consistent, and that's what he needs to do, and he hasn't shown that. Yeah, so, so yeah, there's no alpha dog as a receiver, but isn't that kind of what George Kittle is right now? Is, is that a problem for the 49ers to, to go through Kittle? Because he's probably arguably the most talented tight end in, in the league right now. Uh, well, Kittle, uh, Kittle, it may be that alpha at the, at the, um, the tight end position, but you need it outside the numbers. Yeah. You really do. It's, it's great to have that matchup. If it really is to have a tight end that's a security blanket, and we know how important it is right now, we know how good a player Kittle is, but you have to have some guys that can just pick it up and put it down out there on the autobahn, man. When you get outside, the, when you get outside those numbers and you're on the autobahn, I mean, you need somebody that that, that you know they're going to be high speed chases and fatalities at collision when when they're collision. And you got to have someone that's really able to make plays out there. And if you don't have that, it becomes difficult. It becomes difficult to win. It becomes difficult to get easy points. Um, and, and you guys know that, I mean, good tight ends up, up in, um, in, in Cincinnati. But it's a different game plan when AJ's not out there. Uh, it's, just, it's just different going defending that defense. I mean, defending that offense. And, and that's what the 49ers need. They, they do need some type of alpha. They need some type of guy in that wide receiver room that can, that can create some fear in a defense. You don't, and, and, that, and that player doesn't have to be able, he doesn't have to score a touchdown every game. He doesn't have to have 150 yards. But, the, but trust me, as a defensive back and being in defensive meetings, the, if, the, if you know that guy's capable of it, the thought, of being on the on those highlights, because remember, every man's highlight is another man's low light. <laughs> the thought of being on those low lights is yeah, it's two ways to make um, the top ten. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's two ways. I always remember that you don't want to be on, you don't want to be the one get posterized. Yep. And the, and the threat of and the threat of that makes it makes defensive coordinators call games differently. That's what they need. They they really need to find a way to fix that. So. Eric, uh, what what are some of the more intriguing matchups specifically for this game that that you're looking at? Um, ones that'll really dictate the the outcome of the game. We had kind of a we have some live listeners tuning in while we're while we're chatting here. Um, you know, one of which was kind of you know, do you think the Bengals' quick hitting pass game can negate the good pass rush from the Niners? Obviously, that's one area. But any others that you may be looking at? 
you know what? I would on, on both sides of the ball. Uh, I think that if you look at the, the center guard exchange, and then and your caller that your listener that was just talking about the quick passing game, I think that's going to be very important for both of these for both of these teams. Um, that center guard exchange being able to stop that inside pressure, uh, because if if I heard I heard someone I was watching the game and I heard someone say that Gino wasn't the same. Oh yeah, you're you're an idiot if you if you, if you forget about Geno Atkins, you're just just stupid going into a game. Um, <laughs> just just because he can crush a pocket and just make things hard. He can get so so that sears right in front of the quarterback's face. No quarterback likes getting hit in the beach. Um, and I think both of these quarterbacks play differently when they have pressure right in their face. I think both of these defensive coordinators are going to try and do that. So I think the way the offensive lines on both sides handle that is going to be important. Um, and another major thing in this game, I actually think that special teams, mm. there will be plays made, plays made on the special teams that will determine this game. It will, they will seriously determine the outcome of this game. Talking with uh, former All-Pro cornerback Eric Davis of the San Francisco 49ers. Eric, this 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 is this is going to be a close game right now. I think uh, Vegas has this as plus two for the Bengals. It's their home opener. They're starting. They started 0-1. You have the 49ers. You know, back-to-back East Coast games. How do you how do you see this playing out? What, what, what do you got for a prediction for us? Oh man, yeah, I hate doing that. I <laughs> really really hate. I have always hated hated predicting. Because uh, definitely, I don't like doing scores. But I, I'm looking at looking at this game and where it is. Um, if you ask me, a winner. Looking at the game plan and and the way they nearly executed everything going into a hostile environment last week, I would give the edge to uh, Cincinnati. Definitely, I think the Bengals have the edge in this one. Hmm. Um, I, I really, I really like the, I really like the game plan. I really like the way. Andy uh, Dalton handled all the pressure of being up in Seattle. That's a tough place to play um, on the road. First game, um, knowing that that Pete had that defense prepared to play against those guys, um, I, I thought he did a very good job beyond dropping that ball. I still can't believe he dropped the ball after that turnover early in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can't do that, Andy. You just simply can't drop that one. But um, I, I like the way the plan was put together and the way the guys were executing it. So if if that if you can do that on the road early in the season, I would definitely think they would be more comfortable doing doing that at home. And if they have that type of execution, I think that they should win the game versus the Niners this week. We've been chatting with Eric Davis, former Super Bowl champion and all-pro defensive back with the San Francisco 49ers. He is part of the Believe in 49ers podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. Eric, this has been an immense pleasure, man. I've been following your your post-NFL career for a long time. Uh, you're one of my favorite media guys out there, truth be told, so I'm totally fanboying right now. But uh, it's it's uh, it's been awesome chatting with you. I, I'd say let's let's have you on more often. These two teams don't face off too often, but thanks for making the time and being flexible for for fitness in, man. No problem, man. And you know what? Those two teams don't have to play for me to come on as long as, as long as you guys don't mind the street noise right now. I'm sorry about all of that. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's all good. It's it, it, it's all good. Go enjoy some football tonight. All right.
Take it easy, guys. Take it easy. That was Eric Davis, as we mentioned. That was that was awesome. And I got to give the the applause to my co-host John Sheeran. He he set that up and reset that up uh, for those who are turning tuning in live. Uh, you know, Mr. Davis there was supposed to be joining us on our usual weekly show. There was a little bit of communication issue there, and he ended up joining us later on here and still spending about, you know, close to 20 minutes talking about this game. And he brought it, man. That was awesome. Thanks. Thanks for setting that up, John. All you got to do is just have an email account, man. Sometimes some, some great things will come your way. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, you know, obviously it, sometimes it surprises me who, uh, you know, who actually reads and listens to our stuff because obviously our, our names are out there and, uh, you know, reps and, and other media members and former players and all that stuff. Uh, they, they get in touch with us to potentially line these things up and you, you set this up and this was, this was awesome, man. I, I appreciate you. Um, what do you, what do you, were you surprised at his prediction? I thought that was a little surprising. I thought he was going to go Niners on that one, but maybe it was the road game or, uh, I don't know. He's a smart guy. He, he, he knows what to say on, on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. He's maybe just playing to the, playing to the audience here, but that was Eric Davis. As we mentioned, he's an all pro defensive back. He's won a Super Bowl with the San Francisco 49ers. You've seen him on NFL Network. You've seen him on uh, the Rich Eisen show as a fill-in guy. He's He's been all over the place, and now he's part of the Believe in 49ers podcast network and part of the Believe, uh, just the overall Believe in podcast network. By the way, I had one of my friends who's a Niners fan. He he texted me while we were chatting with Eric, and he said, did you say – did you – Say Austin Pettis and mean Dante Pettis. I think I just kind of said Pettis because I didn't want to say the right the, the right or wrong name there. So if I did happen to say the wrong name, I former Colts legend Austin Pettis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so at, at any rate, uh, that was awesome. A lot of fun. Appreciate John you setting that up and appreciate the time from uh, Eric Davis there. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, and as always, you can get this show on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google Play. You can get it on uh, YouTube, and all of our stuff is on cincyjungle.com. Thanks for for tuning in, and enjoy the Week 2 matchup. Should be a good one between the Bengals and the 49ers in the home opener. Thanks, Johnny. We'll see you. We'll we'll, we'll talk uh, this weekend, I'm sure, because we'll be doing work for the site, right? Absolutely, man. Keep in touch. Thanks, buddy.